And we come today for an encounter with God. I trust that you've been sensing that as we give praise to God. But I tell you what, we have the honor and the privilege to have our district superintendent with us. Um, if you want to know what they do, you've watched YouTube before, and you've seen people trying to herd cats. They, they kind of do that with their pastors. What do we got, like 90 or something that you, you work with out there? I don't know, 87, something like that. But they have to kind of keep track of us all and make sure we're not all goofing off, you know. But uh, I, I guess I'm doing all right. You don't, you don't have to call me too much, but uh, maybe he's calling you maybe. But, uh, but it's so good to have Rob with us today. Um, and uh, we, we've been anticipating. We were reading out of Luke this morning uh, where they were coming to John and saying, what should we do, what should we do, what should we do? And, and, uh, and, and you know, it said there in Luke 3 that with anticipation, they were wondering if he was the one. So, so they came with anticipation, uh, uh, knowing, knowing that Christ was coming, they came with anticipation, looking, trying to find him. And, and then it said that they were wondering, they were wondering. Uh, and so I, I trust that we come today with anticipation, knowing that God is with us. He is here. He wants to speak through his servant. And I, I wonder if we're wondering about what he wants to say to us. I wonder, Lord, what do you, you know, I, 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 where do you want to go with me? What do you want to do deep inside? So we are so grateful to have uh, uh, Pastor Rob and Debbie with us today. I think, didn't last time I call you Julie or something? I don't know, I called you Barbara. <laughs> I, had, I had Rob married off to somebody else, but it's so good to have you both with us today. And for uh, this week now, tonight, 6 o'clock, and then Monday through Wednesday at 6.30, we're going we're gonna to stay with it, anticipating and then wondering what God wants to speak to us. Amen? Amen. Brother Rob, come, share with us. Good morning, church. I can't begin to tell you what joy Debbie and I have in being able to come and be with you in worship today. This is a great day for us. We have prayed for this day. We have prayed for you. We've prayed that God would move among you. And so over the past few weeks as I've been praying and anticipating being here, asking God, what do you want to do? What do you want to say? What do you want to accomplish in these days that we're together? And again and again, I have felt that I have heard God saying to me one word, awakening. Awakening. And I sense that it is God's desire to awaken his people, to awaken us to his voice, awaken us to his call, awaken us to his ways, to his blessing, to his healing power, to his transforming grace. And so I have come, Pastor Rob invited me, but I believe the Spirit has sent me. And that I am here today to be able to be a part of what we pray will be a great awakening. And so I do encourage you to come back tonight, to set other things aside, to make the sacrifice, to be here during the week, to invite your friends, invite your enemies to come to church to be with us. Not for my sake. I don't matter at all but that you might experience an awakening in your heart. That the people of God, that the 
to Hatchapi Church of the Nazarene that there might be a great awakening that would somehow give you a sense of being the people of God that you were called to be, created to be, to have the kind of influence that God desires to have in you and through you in this community. And so all throughout this week, we're going to be talking about the awakening. And we pray that God will be in the midst of all of that. And so it seems to me that at the beginning, as, as we're thinking, as we're praying that God might move in a way where there would be an awakening among the people, one of the things that often needs to begin among the people of God is a remembering. That sometimes there are things that we know, but we have forgotten. And so there are certain things that we say again and again and again, we will never forget this or that. And, and so I, I've got some pictures here. I, I want to bring up the first picture, and I want you to tell me what was forgotten here. So they're going to come. Yeah, so tell me what was forgotten there. Somebody forgot their anniversary. And so he is saying to himself right now in that moment, I will never forget again my anniversary. There are things that we say we will never forget. There's a next picture. You will recognize it well. September the 11th, 2001. If you're old enough, you remember where you were at in the moment when you heard the word, when you saw the images of that terrible day and those terrible events, and with great passion we say, we will never forget. But there are other dates. December 25th, we, we say we will never forget Christmas, right? What child has ever forgotten Christmas? Oh, my goodness, it's December 27th, and I just slipped right by. And so there are things that we truly purposefully say, we will never forget. Well, this morning I want to talk to you about a date that is vastly more important than any date in our American history. It's more important than your anniversary. It's more important than almost any date in the history of our world. And yet it's a date that's almost completely forgotten by the world and largely overlooked by the church. This year, that date was June the 9th. Y'all remember what June the 9th was? Anybody here this morning, tell me, what was June the 9th? Come on now. June the 9th was... You're illustrating my point perfectly. <laughs> Pentecost Sunday. Jesus we know. Jesus we celebrate. We celebrate his birth on December 25th. We celebrate his death and resurrection in Easter. Born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on a cross, was laid in a tomb. Three days later, he was raised to life again. He ascended to the right hand of the throne of God where he promised that he would send the Holy Spirit to be among his people. Not to simply be in the world, but to be in his people, to be in your lives, and that somehow that would change everything. It would change everything. If not for Pentecost, then none of this 
is here. Do you realize that? Without Pentecost, there is no Tehachapi Church of the Nazarene. There is no Church of the Nazarene. There is no Billy Graham, no Mother Teresa. None of the great evangelical revivals have taken place if there was not Pentecost. If there was not Pentecost, there would be no Magna Carta, no Constitution, no Declaration of Independence, We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men and women are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Among them are the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness. These are not just good words from good men. You see, all of this flowed out of our Christian tradition. It was stirred, empowered, and driven forward by the Holy Spirit. If not for Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit, the Church of Jesus Christ would today still be a small Jewish sect that would be calling for all of you to be fully Jewish before you were Christian. But thanks be to God, Pentecost did happen. Amen? Amen. The Holy Spirit did come. The church of Jesus Christ was born on that day. And the good news of the gospel spread and continues to spread to the whole world. Think about it just a little bit. In the first 250 years that the church existed, they went from that small group of 120 people that were praying together on the day of Pentecost. Within 250 years, they had become more than 20 million people strong. It was the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that moved the church to the ends of the earth. And so we do thank God, but something has happened. Something, it seems, has gone terribly wrong. In so many ways, the Holy Spirit has become the forgotten God. And Pentecost, that forgotten date of God's great assault through the church on the gates of hell so that every living person would have the opportunity to experience the love and grace and power of the Holy Spirit at work in their lives, overcoming in your life and in the world the power of sin and death and hell. I have seen the evidence of this terrible forgetting. Uh, Back in the spring, Debbie and I celebrated our 45th wedding anniversary. Now, don't try to figure out how old we are because that'll just make your head hurt. (laughs) But we decided for our anniversary that we wanted to take a little trip, and so we had the privilege of going to Spain. And so we spent some time in Barcelona, this old city that dates back to before the time of Christ. It was on a Sunday afternoon. We were walking the old streets of Barcelona. We were walking down this very narrow, narrow street And all of a sudden, we came into this huge plaza. I have a picture here that I I want you to be able to see. It is the Cathedral of Barcelona. You can see it's this magnificent facility, more than 700 years old. That afternoon, as I took that picture, uh, the, the people were just filling the plaza. There were hundreds and hundreds of people that were laughing and eating and enjoying the marvelous day. And Debbie and I were just standing there kind of taking it all in. 
And then I heard something on the side. There was a band that was playing. You can't see them. They're out of the frame there. But they were playing up on the, the, the porch of the church there. And I recognized the song. They were playing this old gospel song. It, it, it was from this old gospel group. You, you may know them. Uh, let's see, the group is uh, Led Zeppelin. Do you, do, you, do you remember that old gospel group? And they were playing that old gospel song, Stairway to Heaven. And we just began to laugh. There's a lady who's sure all that glitters is gold. And she's buying a stairway to heaven. You know the old gospel song too. That's, that's great. And we just laughed and laughed. But later on that afternoon, it struck me that perhaps there was something more that was going on. For I began to remember the words to the song and the story that went with the song. I began to remember that the story was about a lady who had great wealth, who had been buying all that glittered, all that was gold, thinking that somehow she could buy her way into meaning and purpose, even buying her way into heaven. But she discovered along the way that her life was empty without meaning or purpose and that, in fact, she could not buy her way into heaven. And suddenly it hit me. That was not just a rock tune. It was a prophetic word over the people that afternoon. For the church was empty. But there were hundreds and hundreds of people that were all around the square that were buying up all the glitter of the world. We came to understand that the church is almost always empty except for the tours. And we began to discover that all over Europe it was like that. That the people marvel in their old, beautiful, magnificent, empty churches. They give tours for a price of their empty churches. And I began to ask myself, how did it happen? A church so beautiful as that, how is it not filled every single Sunday? We always say if we just had a better building, they'd come, right? If we just had one like that, we could surely fill it. But it was empty. And how did it become empty? And I was reminded it was empty because they had forgotten the promise of the Holy Spirit. They had begun along the way to resist the stirrings of the Holy Spirit. And after a while in resisting the stirrings of the Holy Spirit, their hearts became cold. And once their hearts became cold, their church became empty. And I came home with this deep determination. I never want to give tours of empty churches. Never. Not this church. Not any church. Not ever. It broke my heart for the church of Jesus Christ that the people of God forgot the power and the work of the Holy Spirit and everything turned cold. And so this morning, I want to make a case for the Holy Spirit. I want to make a case for the Holy Spirit in your lives, in your church, and in this community. We will never forget. 
We will never forget the promise of Pentecost. We will never forget the work of the Holy Spirit. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to invite you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 31. Whether it's in your phone, your tablet, or on a printed page, Jeremiah 31, and I'll begin reading at verse 31. The words will be on the screen, but this morning, would you listen to the word of the Lord? The prophet said, the days are coming, declares the Lord. When I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds. And I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God. And they will be my people. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Amen. Thanks be to God. See, Jeremiah the prophet was prophesying about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now, we believe that the Holy Spirit has always been at work. Amen. From the very beginning of creation, the Holy Spirit has been at work. In fact, we read that in the second verse in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Would you look at these words that are on the screen? Now, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In the beginning, the Spirit was moving. In the beginning, the Spirit was working. And in the beginning, everything was perfect. Everything was perfect in the beginning. In the beginning, you were perfect. Now, we've never known perfect in our lifetime, but way back then, everything was perfect Would you turn to the person next to you and say, you were perfect a long time ago. You were perfect a long time ago. Would you like to see perfect? I've been thinking about this. How could I convey to everyone this sense of perfection? And so I think I have it for you. Would you like to see perfect this morning? There it is. There's perfect. Isn't that awesome? You could imagine yourself sitting in that baby, couldn't you? You could feel as the engine came on, the roar, the the power. You can see the beauty of the lines. That car is in perfect harmony with its creator. It is perfectly aligned with its designer. It is perfect according to the creator and the designer in the beginning. You were perfect. You were in perfect harmony with the Creator. You were perfectly aligned with the Spirit. But then something happened, and we came to a place where we said, you know, I don't really need to be in harmony with the Creator. I don't have to be perfectly aligned with the Spirit. And you know the story of how everything fell apart. And, and, and so that's what we'd like to think that we're like. And in fact, we were created in that image. But here's another picture. That's us today. 
See, that's the realistic picture of who we are today. You can see the image of the creator, can't you? The design is there. You can tell what it is, but what's missing in that picture? There's no motor. There's no power. It's not going anywhere. It's broken down. It does not run. Though you can still see the design of the creator, it simply does not fulfill what the creator intended it to be. And so today, we make lots of powerful sounds, but we are like little children sitting behind the wheel just making noise and going nowhere because we have forgotten about the power. So the ages passed, and God continued to be faithful and to keep God's promises, and we continued to resist. And we resisted the work of the Holy Spirit. And so from Adam and Eve all the way to Noah, from Noah to Abraham, from Abraham to Moses, across all of those years, God was faithful and we resisted. I don't need to be aligned with the Spirit. I don't need to be in harmony with the Creator. And there was more brokenness and more pain and more misery. And so about 1,500 years before Christ comes into the world, we now have a a whole nation of people. We call them the nation of Israel, but they were now a nation of slaves. And this is what they look like. You got a whole lot of broken people, a whole lot of people without power. They can't go anywhere. They can't do anything. They cannot be what God had designed them to be. They were powerless. They were slaves in Egypt. And we recognize that in many ways, that they are like us. You see, we have to understand something about the nation of Israel. God didn't look across all the world and say, there's a special people. He looked across all the world and said, there's a not special people. There is nothing about them to distinguish them. There is nothing about them that makes them special. So I will work through them. And so God goes and, and gets an escaped murderer. An escaped murderer named Moses who's been running from the law for 40 years and brings him back to be the leader of a nation of slaves that somehow they might become witness to the whole world of the power and glory of God to move us back into the image into which we were created. And so you know the story. Moses comes back and the ten plagues begin to unfold and finally there is that night where the Israelites have been told, go get the lamb, slaughter it, take the blood, put it on the doorposts of your house, go inside, stay inside, that the death angel may pass over you. And the people of Israel were delivered from the hands of Egypt. They left that place and now then God said, today, today, I will be your God and you will be my people. And today we will begin to, to be witness of what could happen by the power of God at work in our lives. 
I have rescued you. I, I now want to begin to restore you towards the likeness into which you were created. And so then there's this image of, of, of what actually began to take place, that you've got the brokenness that's clearly there, but now then God gives us promises. If you will begin to partner with me in this great project of restoration, I will begin to restore you towards the image into which I created you. You will begin to see day by day, event by event, that I am at work restoring the people of God to be witnesses in the world to the power of God, not to the power of the people, but to the power of a holy and amazingly loving God. And so God called his people out of Egypt. We're going to be a covenant people, right people? Right people? And they said, well, maybe not. And so God was faithful and they resisted. And God was faithful and they resisted. And another thousand years passed of resisting God. And so God moves again in a new way. And says, in the past, I wrote it in stone, but now then, I'm going to write it on their hearts. I want us to go back and look at the scripture we read at the beginning. Would you look at it with me again, thinking about it in light of what we've just talked about? The days are coming, declares the Lord. I'm going to make a new covenant with my people. It won't be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them out of Egypt. But they broke my covenant, though I was faithful. This is the covenant I will make with the people after that time. I'm going to put my law in their minds. And I'm going to write it on their hearts. And then I will be their God. And then they will be my people. So what does it look like when something is written on your heart. Well, on May 9th, 2013, our granddaughter, Evelyn Gaines, was born into this world. And so, please, oh, well, thank you very much. We were going to save that, but just put it up there and I'll just tell the whole story. Let them let just marvel at the picture there. <laughs> let me tell you the story. We had little Callan, 18 months old, with us. And... Uh, we got the call that Evelyn was born. And so, come on to where, where we're at. And so we took them over there, and, and we're, we're all gathered in and, and, and excited. And, and Callan had not been prompted. He had not been encouraged. Nothing had been spoken to him. But his parents had been praying fervently that something would be written on his heart towards his sister. And that there would be this special connection between them. And so we walked into that room and, and mom and baby are, are laying there. And little Callan comes around and just climbs up on the bed. And with no prompting, no word, that's what happened. He put his little hands together and he just began to murmur. He didn't even have very many words at that point. And that bond still exists to this day. We were with them this week, and to see the two of them, it was written on his heart. We see, that's what Pentecost is all about. God writes it on 
our hearts. Something changes. Everything is different because God has written it on our hearts. It's the Spirit of God that begins to stir us, that begins to move us. Every one of you have had those moments that you sense that something was at work within you. It's the Spirit that begins to convict, that begins to convince you that there's sin in your life and that it needs to be dealt with. It's the Spirit that begins to stir us, that begins to encourage us. It's the Spirit that strengthens us. It's the Spirit that guides you. Move this way, not that way. It's the Spirit that gives gifts. It's the Spirit that bears witness. It's the Spirit that bears the fruit in our lives, that we may be a witness to the world, that God is at work in me, not just around me, but in me and through me. And everything is different that God is accomplishing his work in me and through me so that I am literally being restored toward the image into which I was created. This is the work of the Holy Spirit we will not forget. And so I want you to understand that God has been at work in the midst of all this for a long, long time. This is not some coincidental last moment kind of thing. I want you to get the connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament and how God has been at work here. In the Old Testament, in the Exodus, it was the birth of a nation. At Pentecost, it was the birth of the church. In the Old Testament, God came down on the mountain and there was fire on the mountain. At Pentecost, God came down and there was fire in the forms of tongues on the people of God. In the Exodus, it was 40 days from the time they left Egypt until Moses went up on the mountain. In the New Testament, it was 40 days from the resurrection to the ascension. In the Old Testament, it was 10 days that Moses was on the mountain. In the New Testament, it was 10 days that the people were in the upper room praying in the Old Testament, when Moses came down and saw the people worshiping the golden idol, 3,000 people died. At Pentecost, the Spirit came down and 3,000 people got saved. That is not a coincidence. God has been planning. He has been moving. He has been at work. And think about what happened in the midst of that moment on Pentecost. The Spirit fills everyone in the room, and immediately they go out to begin to share with everyone they met. The Spirit filled them, and the Spirit sent them. The Spirit filled them, and the Spirit sent them. Not just the preachers, not just the evangelists, not just the pastors, everyone. The Spirit filled them and the Spirit sent them. They weren't trained. They weren't organized. They were filled. And it seems to me that that's one of the big challenges in the church today. You see, people in the church, we all believe in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Yes. See, I didn't even have to ask you twice. You believe in the Holy Spirit. But oftentimes... Really leaning on the pastor. You know, pastor, we, we know what the mission is. We know that the mission is to go and make, go and make 
disciples. Well, Pastor Rob, won't you get us trained? Won't you get us organized? We know what to do. We're going to go. So it's up to you, brother. All the burden's on you to train us and to organize us. But according to Scripture, it's kind of another way that the Spirit fills them and the Spirit sends them. The, the Pastor Rob can be involved in that, but it's the Spirit that is at work in the people's lives where we begin to turn the whole thing around and begin to think about it in a different way that maybe we begin to pray not for more training, which is good, not for more organization, which is good, but for a deep sense of remembering the filling of the Spirit, that the Spirit fills us and the Spirit sends us. And it changes everything. You look at what happened in the early church. First day, how many got saved? And not long after that, it was 5,000. And not long after that, it was 10,000. And it just kept spreading and spreading, and it went everywhere. And so you have this guy named Stephen. He was the head of the food ministry at the church. But the whole qualifier to be in charge of any of these ministries was that you had to be full of the Holy Spirit. And so look what we read about Stephen. Now, Stephen, a man of full of God's grace and power, filled with the Holy Spirit, performed great signs and wonders among the people. He was not trained. He was not organized. He was filled. And God moved in powerful, unmistakable ways. Then in Acts 8, we read it all again. Here was another person who was just, would have been considered a, a layperson in the church. In Acts 8, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said, for with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. He was not trained. He was filled. Not trained, but filled and when the spirit comes on us when the spirit fills us and we begin to lean into this promise of pentecost the promise of the holy spirit everything changes and do you know that still works today okay i only got two amens out of that one <laughs> it's still alive today everywhere when god's people begin to lean into god's spirit I got a call about two months ago from one of the pastors on the district. He said, Pastor Rob, I, I need to ask you a question. I just had three men that left my office, three laymen in the church. They came to see me. I didn't know what they wanted. They walked in and said, hey, Pastor, uh, we just needed to communicate a little bit with you. Uh, we've been going to the homeless camp that's over here a few miles from the church. The pastor said, so why have you been going to the homeless camp? Well, you've been preaching about the Spirit. And the Spirit began to work among us. And we just felt the Spirit was sending us. I said, well, what, what were you doing? Well, we didn't know what to do, but we just knew that we were sent. And so we just started listening to the Spirit. He said, what would you do? Well, we just began to sit with them. We began to listen to them. We began to hear their stories. 
We began to figure out their needs. We began to come alongside of them. We began to help with feeding and with this and with that. And he said, well, where did you come up with those resources? The Spirit. The Spirit just moved. And so we thought we probably ought to come and tell you, Pastor, that in the last two months, 26 people have gotten saved in the homeless camp. And the, the leader of the homeless camp has come to Christ now. And we don't really know how we can get them to come to church, but we think maybe the church needs to go to them. So we're just wondering, Pastor, could we start a church in the homeless camp? And so he's calling me, Pastor Rob, what does the manual say? Would it be possible? Yes, 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 yes. We can start a church in a homeless camp. The Spirit filled them. And the Spirit sent them. And it changed everything. And it still does today. And you can trust the Spirit. Can I tell you? You can trust the Spirit. Some years back when Debbie and I were still in local ministry, there were two ladies that started coming to church. It didn't take very long until I figured out that they were a couple. And so I began to meet them. As soon as I saw them every Sunday, I would run up to them and give them a hug and greet them in the name of the Lord Jesus and say, can I help you find a seat? I'm so glad that you've come to church today. And it wasn't too long after that that some of the people in the church began to figure it out as well. And so I'd begun to make friends with these two ladies. And, and, and so there were a couple of days when people in the church would come to me and say, Pastor Rob, did you know, have you noticed those two ladies over there they're like, they're like a, a couple. Yeah, they're my good friends. Come here, let me introduce you to them. And, and you can greet them and maybe take them out to lunch and get to know them. And the church received them and loved them and just were Christ to them. And so several months passed and they kept coming to church. And I never preached about anything directly. I just preached the love and the hope of Jesus Christ. And one day, one of the ladies came to me and she said, Pastor Rob, can I talk to you? She said, last week you were talking about Jesus in my life. And I did that thing that you asked about. I said, what'd you do? She said, I did that thing. I asked Jesus to come into my heart I asked him to forgive me, and he did, Pastor Rob. He did. I said, that's so wonderful. She said, so what do I do now? Just love Jesus. That's all you need to do is fall deeply in love with Jesus and trust what you think the Spirit is saying to you. And so another couple of months passed, and they're still coming to church, and I'm watching two Women sit in church, sometimes holding hands, and one has fallen in love with Jesus. After another couple of months, the, that same lady comes to me again and says, Pastor Rob, I don't know what to do. Jesus has changed my whole life. He's changed my whole life. And I'm so excited, but the Spirit is talking to me and... And I think I need to make a change in my life. And I said, what do you think the Spirit is saying to you? She said, I think the Spirit is saying that I shouldn't be living in this relationship that I'm living in. I said, who told you that? Did I tell you that? She said, the Spirit 
told me that. I said, what do you think you should do? I think I should obey the Spirit. And so she separated from her partner. And unfortunately, her partner chose not to keep coming to church. But my friend, she kept growing in the likeness of Christ. And we kept seeing this transformation. And she began to take ministry in the church and began to serve in the church. And a year later, all of a sudden, I'm looking out one Sunday morning as we're serving communion. And here is my friend who is offering the elements to others that came that day. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ spilled for you. Thanks be to God. The Spirit fills them. The Spirit heals them. The Spirit transforms them. The Spirit sends them. Another year or so passed. I was with her one day. And I said, can I, can I just ask you a really hard question? She said, sure. I said, what about, what about all of those desires? What about those attractions? She said, Pastor Rob, I don't have any of that figured out. I just confess that there is still desire and sometimes attraction but I am so in love with Jesus that nothing else in the world matters. You can trust the Spirit. The Spirit works. And the Spirit transforms. And so we do have to then make a decision. I think I have one more picture for you this morning. See, that's that's the decision that we have to make. Will I simply sit in the driver's seat making big noise going nowhere because I am broken? Or would I be willing to say, Holy Spirit, come upon me. Come upon me. Fill me. Heal me. Bless me. Send me. Use me for your glory. This is what we believe. This is what we sometimes forget. If Satan could get you to forget anything, it would be this. But you see, God is taking you towards the image on the right. He is taking you towards your own restoration. He is taking you towards healing. He is taking you toward blessing. He is putting the pieces back together. You'll never quite look like that until glory someday, but you don't have to look like that anymore. And you can say, I'm not what I want to be, but I ain't what I used to be. Thanks be to God. And so this morning, the question very simply, what do you want to be? Would you desire to invite the Spirit to do an awakening in you? In these days that we are together. See, it's the decision for everybody. Do I really want to invite the Spirit to awaken me? Could I have an encounter with the Holy Spirit that would change everything?
And so this morning, I'm just asking you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot. I want you to decide today, where do I want to be? And so right now, with no music and no other invitation, if that's your desire, to allow the Holy Spirit to begin a work in you, to awaken a work in you, to renew a work in you, to take you to places that you do not know, to be what you cannot imagine, to pursue the heart of God, then I want to ask you just right now to just get up and come and stand with me. If that's your desire, then just come and stand with me this morning. And I'm going to invite the Spirit of God to move upon us, to stir within us, that there might be an awakening of the people of God. Take a hand to someone next to you. Father God, we are so grateful that in the beginning you had a perfect design. You knew what you wanted for your people. God, we confess we have messed it up bad. We have oftentimes resisted you, mocked you. We have turned our own way, but we know that you've been faithful. We're thankful that you sent Jesus into this world to be a savior for us and to promise us that you would send your spirit. Spirit, we thank you that you are among us today. You are moving in this place in these moments. You are awakening. You are stirring. You are blessing. You are healing. And so, Lord, we ask that you would be with these good people today. May your spirit move among us powerfully. May you begin to awaken us. And as you fill us, may you send us and use us for your glory. And so in these days of awakening, may you prepare our hearts. Lord, help us to break down any resistance that we have to you. Lord, for anyone that's in this room that feels that resistance right now, would they just surrender it? Would they just say, God, I... I don't want to fight anymore. I don't want to resist you anymore. I just want to draw close to you. I want to be full, full, full of your spirit. And so, Lord, do it now. Be in these people today, we pray. And so, Lord, may your anointing fall upon these people in this moment. And we ask these things in your precious holy name. And all God's people together said, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father. Son and Holy Ghost. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. I don't know if you have anything else planned, but that's that's what I got today. <laughs>